Would you guys pray for me and then uh, I'll pray for you guys. Father God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear tonight, Lord. We need to hear from you, not from Randy, not from Alpha, not even from Diane. Lord, we need to hear from you tonight. Would you meet us here in this place? In Jesus' name, amen. Don't you love God's body? Don't you love God's team? Don't you love God's people? I mean, God's people are, what a blessing. Uh, so do you guys remember where we're at? Yeah, I thought you guys say we're we're misfits, man. We're in the Bible. We're in Galatians chapter three. Now I haven't even told my esteemed colleague Barry about this. Uh, it would appear that we're only going to cover about the first nine to twelve verses in chapter three. It was too much, dude. It was too much, right? I mean, I'm reading it going. There's no way you can't do this chapter justice in 45 minutes, maybe 45 years. So we're going to do the best we can. And how about this? Have a little grace with your preacher. Uh, I did have a conclusion. Maybe it's been said before, but it was kind of revealed to me. I have found a kind of a micro version of Galatians. Do you have that one scripture from the Gospels? Did Katrina put that on there from Luke? Oh, I love it, man. I love this. One of my favorite parables of all the whole Bible right here. This is Jesus speaking. That's probably why it was one of my favorites. Jesus told this story to some of This is in Luke 18, 19, 14. For those of you that have old eyes and can't see even with the big TVs. And I love this because I think it speaks to the heart of the gospel. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness, and scored everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, you know, big shot, religious, this, you know, like Paul was before his encounter with Jesus. The other was this despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um. Doesn't that almost seem like a flyover, like a scale down of the whole book of Galatians? See what I'm saying? As I read and I thought about that going, you know, because as sinners, we don't bring anything to Jesus. We exchange our funk, our sin, our, our garbage, and he gives us righteousness. It's a, it's a great exchange. It really is. So you've heard Barry and Richard spoke. You guys remember what Richard, uh, what the key verse was last week? Any electricians in the house? 220. Anybody memorize it? Hallelujah. How about that? Michael even has it tattooed on him. Uh, but 
That's great, Gail. Rocking out over there. Oh, whose is it? Donna. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, Paul was going back and visiting these churches that he established in this region of Galatia. He was going to uh, Iconium and Leicester and all these places, right? So, what had happened, you guys remember for a brief flyover, the Judaizers were coming back and saying, Jesus plus a bunch of stuff. Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus all of this stuff. Paul's refuting this but going by saying this is not the gospel. This is a perverted gospel. So we're going to pick it up right at the very beginning. And we're going to take it down. I think we're going to probably try to make it to 11. Uh, and this will only take a couple hours. So Alpha's giving me the... Oh, foolish Galatians. Who's cast an evil spell on you? There's another uh, scripture. I like it in the King James, actually. Who has bewitched you? Bewitched means uh, it's only used three times. And one time like this. Only once. Who has lured you away? Who has taken your eye? Who has fascinated you that you have moved away from the gospel? Who has done this to you? Who has cast an evil spell on you? He's calling them foolish. Turn to your Bibles real quick to Luke 24, 25. Is he calling them dumb? Is he calling them uh, not wise? He's not calling them dumb, right? When he calls them foolish? This is Jesus. The walk to Emmaus. And again, it's one of my favorite areas because I think it's so cool that uh, Jesus just pops on the scene. A couple of guys are walking. And they're talking about, I can't believe all this stuff is going on. Jesus has been crucified and this and that. And Jesus pops on the scene. What are you guys talking about? And he says, you certainly have to be the only one that hasn't heard that Jesus crucified or been crucified. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Same word. You find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Paul's saying to this, I cannot believe you guys would leave the gospel and turn back to something other than the gospel. Anybody ever meet people that says it's Jesus plus something? I was at a, an event a few years ago, and I met a guy, and man, I... It's not Cecil, he's right over there. I met this guy, and I, he was a brother, a brother in Christ, amen. I love talking to fellow believers, it's cool talk about stuff and he said oh wait uh, pastor misfits over here and blah 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 yeah i'm over i go to this particular denomination i said okay that's cool um he said you believe you got to be baptized to be saved i said no i don't believe that that's not what scripture teaches that's not what that scripture teaches it doesn't say that you have to be baptized to be saved it says once you're saved the first thing you should do out of obedience to the gospel is be baptized into christ right i said so i have to disagree with you and then he kind of was trying to drag me into an argument about this thing. I said, I'm not going to argue with you, but I have a hypothetical situation. Supposing I come to Christ, and it's a true conversion. Man, I have an encounter with Jesus. I recognize that I am a sinner. The only way that I'm going to be saved is by asking God to have mercy on me, beat my chest, and say, I am sorry I did this, and I truly am saved. Okay? Now, the church just so happens, one of those churches, kind of like ours, that we're going to baptize next Saturday night or next Wednesday. Well, wouldn't you know it? 
Tuesday night, the unthinkable happens. And I die in a car wreck before I'm able to be, well, you'll be in hell. I said, I can't talk to you anymore. And Lynn was going, oh, baby, this is, going, this is, about, to, this is about to be real up in here. I said, I'm, I love you, man. I do. I care about you. But I have nothing more to say to you. I'm not going to argue. I am done. Right then it was kind of wisdom going, avoid useless arguments. I'm not going to do it because he was firmly entrenched in his position. It wasn't going to happen. And I wasn't going to even use the, um, the thief on the cross. I wanted to go a different angle because everybody always for that argument always uses the thief on the cross, which is a good argument. But I wanted to take him somewhere else because he's heard that already. So right then, this guy, for the meaning of Jesus Christ's death, was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on a cross. Paul had already explained this in great detail, almost like he painted a great picture of what had happened on the cross. Did you guys like the picture that Koss <laughs> painted of being crucified? He painted a really good picture. How can you crucify if you're... He painted, these Galatians had seen a picture of this through Paul's words, and you're turning from it already. And he's asking this, can you... He's almost like, seriously, how can you do this? Another version would said he called them, you idiots. You guys are idiots. I can't believe that you would do this. Turn from the true gospel to go back to want to start following all those rules to think that you have to follow all these rules to be saved. You guys with me so far? Okay, cool. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Period. I remember on May 1st, 1993, the preacher coming to my house, and he had a, the Baptist hair and the Baptist shirt and the Baptist pants and the Baptist shoes. He even had a Corsica, which I thought was a Baptist car. <laughs> Vanilla as you could possibly imagine. Well, anyway, he comes in. This is after a couple months of going to his church. And I understood the gospel. I understood it intellectually up here with my mind. I understood that Christ died on the cross. I understood that I was a sinner. I didn't need him to explain it to me. I understood it. The question was, did I want to receive it by faith? There's a different thing having given mental assent to it in your mind as opposed to receiving it by faith into your heart, recognizing. And I remember being right here going, and I hadn't done any good works up to this point. I hadn't done anything. I came to Jesus. I was that guy in the septic tank. I came crawling out of the septic tank. Actually, he went in. They sent this preacher to me, right? And I remember going, oh, man. Whew. This is literally, I was probably pacing because I get a little, Whew. wow. You're saying that I can be saved by faith through Christ, and I don't have to do anything, nothing. It just seems, I got to be honest, preacher, it just sounds too good to be true. It's amazing grace. That's why it's called amazing grace. Now, how many children are here? None. Can I get real and tell you how it really went? Okay. And he was a good person, remember? Then I really wasn't. I always thought the Baptists were really good people. Pretty lame, actually. I don't think that anymore, so just relax. <laughs> I like following rules now. 
I uphold the law now, okay? But I don't have to. Adrian Rogers said, I can sin all I want to, but I don't want to because I understand and I have gratitude in my heart for what he's done for me, okay? But at that time, I wasn't this guy. So he was kind of going, oh, man, I'm not getting to you. I'm not letting, you're not understanding. I'm going to tell you that because of what Christ has done for you on the cross and your faith in that, heaven will be like the best relations you've ever shared with Lynn in marital matrimonious. Do you understand? And I was like, you're getting my attention, for real. Now, it's humorous, however. I say that because it's helped shape our ministry even to this day. Sometimes when you're too good, you won't dare get down into the low areas where the people go. Sometimes you have to condescend to get down to where the people are. And Paul says, I become all things in order that one might be saved. Right? In, in, that, in that particular instance, he got down to where I was. He didn't, and Richard said, he didn't get all soiled up. He didn't get dirt on him because God protected him. But it brought me to Christ because he was talking a language that I talked. That's how we were. You know what I'm saying? It was Jesus plus nothing. I came to him with all my rags, all my junk, and I still got junk. Anybody still have junk? Okay. You're going to have junk till Jesus comes back. But you should have less junk than you did a year ago. Amen? You should. If you don't, if there's been no change, here we are. Say it. If you is what you was, I think that's a complete, yeah, that's a paraphrase. But if you are what you were, then you ain't. Okay. If you is what you was, I don't like that. How foolish can you be? After starting your lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So they wanted to, they recognized we need to be saved by the spirit, but they were trying to be sanctified by self. You ever try that? You know what I'm saying? They were depending on human effort after they got saved and the Judaizers were coming. They said, yeah, Paul got the gospel right. He did. However, if you really want to kind of become a super saint, you need to be circumcised, cutting away the flesh. And all the other things that come, obey these rules, obey these rules. Segwaying into our coffee bar. I was approached, and this isn't the first time we've had um, questions about what happens inside the sanctuary. Right? I asked Richard, I, and I asked a couple other people that are counsel, uh, no, namely, my wife brought this up to my attention. I was like, oh, wow, this is a, okay. She said, do you think it's like wrong to have a coffee bar in the sanctuary? I said, well, first of all, in the new covenant, we are the sanctuary. This is just a meeting place. That's all, that's all this is. And there are some things that will never happen in here, you know. But in the New Testament, new covenant, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells us corporately as the body, right? So it gives us tremendous freedom. Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I don't think we want to be raging in this place. I don't think that's cool. See what I'm saying? So I called Richard Koss. I said, man, I, you know, he goes, oh, man, your congregation is amazing. He loves you, right? And we love him. I said, let me ask you a question. Uh, we, we're really considering putting a cool coffee by in the, uh, 
in this deal over here. What do you think of that? And he said, well, you know, my wife brought up, and, and I, I immediately considered it. We should, when our wife brings us something, consider it. Amen? We should. The two shall become one. And a lot of times I look at Lynn and go, man, I wish I could be more like Lynn. And sometimes she looks at me and says, I wish I could be more like you. The two shall become one. We are. So I listened to her, and I, I ran this by Richard, and I said, he said, man, first of all, you guys are weird. <laughs> Amen. He goes, you're weird. Barry's weird. The congregation is weird. And I go, all of our friends outside, they're weird too. He goes, but make no mistake about it. Once you start putting rules, no hats, no gloves, this. You, one will lead to two, two will lead to four, four will lead. That's what was going on here. They're trying to put rules on these Galatians when Paul preached Christ alone. So we're going to have a coffee bar. And we believe it's going to be a great tool to, when people come in. Go back to the bar. Have some coffee. We also believe that the team building is, is going to help. But we're free in Christ. If it becomes a problem, we'll shut it down. If it becomes a distraction, we'll quit. I don't think it will. You guys are adults, right? I'll call you out. You walk up back there in the middle of the mess. You get your coffee before, Holmes. Come on. What's wrong with you? Or homegirl, whatever, you know. Jesus plus nothing, guys. Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Now, scholarship would say that for the Jews that were there, Jewish Christians, there was persecution going on. Perhaps from the Jewish people coming from Rome and this and that. They already had been... Uh, scrutinized for their faith in Christ. Okay? So they're already getting abused, and they made it through it. And they said, we're not doing any of that. Now the Judaizers come along, and they say, now you have to do it. Paul's saying, you made it through it. You have the scars on your body to prove it. Now you're going to go back to do the things that you stopped doing and you got trouble from? Why would you do that? That's stupid. You, do you agree? You understand what I'm saying? Why would you go back and do the very things that you have been, um, what's the word, you have been persecuted for? Why would you do that? You're turning from the gospel and you're doing all of the stuff. Why would you go back to the things that you were doing that you've been persecuted for in the first place? Makes no sense. In fact, it sounds completely foolish. Completely foolish. Surely it was not in vain, was it? When I talked to soldiers, in fact, I, uh, I, I got a really cool ride from a tow truck driver the other day that was a soldier. It means something to them to know that they didn't fight in vain. All the things they sacrificed, all the things that they did, all the things they didn't get to do, it means something if they haven't done it in vain. It means something. When they come back, or in this case, when you're going back and doing the things that you did before the gospel, did you really? It, it, are you, you're, you're dumb. You're idiots. Don't do it. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. 
Turn to your Bibles real quick to Romans chapter 4. And that's why I didn't bother telling uh, Katrina to put this on because so much. And I'm just going to read this, but listen to the words, again, of Paul. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? Listen, if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Isn't that great news? I had another conversation with another pastor, my friend. He said this the other day. He goes, I, I've been asking my congregation, if you stood before a holy God today, what would you say? He said, I was shocked at how many eyes I heard. I this, I that, I this. I prayed 10 times. I did this. I did this. I said, wow. And he goes, even sisters and brothers that have been saints for 20 30 years didn't have a grasp on what the gospel really means there is no I in gospel it's all he it's he from the beginning until the end he that begun a good work in you will complete it so if he's good enough to save you he's good enough to sanctify you you just let him do it and sometimes you get off course okay you back it up where you got off course and you continue on your journey that way with him. He's the one doing it through you. But make no mistake, your salvation is not you. Not you, not you. You didn't do it. God did from beginning till end. He did it all. That's what makes it so amazing. He did it all. You don't have to do it. All you had to do is just get on your face and surrender. You got nothing to bring to the table. That's what Paul is telling them. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus plus something. There are some religions... A little bit, I don't know what it is, with 80% Jesus, 20% works, or 20% works, and 80% Jesus. It's 100% Jesus and no percent works. The works come out of a relationship with Jesus, not because of it. Out of a relationship. And, and, and just, think of, just think of like, uh, you guys, when you're working with somebody or mentoring somebody or coaching somebody new to the faith, and you're really saying, man, we're making some major headway. They're really beginning to get the gospel. And then they're off. And then somebody, it's like, they come with this oddball question like, this person says that, you know, I, that I, you know, I have to be baptized to be saved. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And it almost unwinds all that you put into them for years. That's how Paul's doing. Except he's doing it on a massive scale of all these churches going around. He's visiting all these places. He's trying to get out in front of it, cut it off the pasket. A little bit of leaven screws it all up, these false teachers, right? And nowadays, you have this 
It's no doctrine at all. I'm not sure what it is. It's no gospel. It's not good news. Um, send a little money in, and we're going to whatever, you know. And I think it's dying out. I think people are finally catching on that that's no gospel at all. It's not gospel. It's false, right? And those are false teachers. And they will give an account for it one day, right? So if you hear anything from this pulpit, you're always going to hear it's Jesus plus nothing. It's all Jesus. And I'd be really, um, really uh, suspect of anybody that would say anything else. It's Jesus plus nothing. Now out of that, when you get what he's done for you, doesn't it just compel you to do some good stuff? It just, like, really? Oh, you got nothing to bring to the table. Like Mephibosheth, remember that? It's a whole story. I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail. But he had nothing to bring to the table, yet the king put him at the table of the king. We walk in high places. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're going home one day. And we'll be there. It's going to be a matter... Did you guys spend any time with Mel on Wednesday, by chance? Mel just lost his wife, Mitzi. And I, I, you know, you have some people, everybody mourns differently. And we've had some loss in the strength uh, of the people that have lost, well, we haven't lost loved ones. We know right where they are. That, um, but Mel came in with this, almost like, he was like, kitty. Because he understood how much Missy, Mitzi had suffered in the physical here. Though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed daily. He knew this. So with calm assurance and of the gospel, Jesus plus nothing, he's going, we're going to be there in a second. And then you'll be right behind. You'll be behind that. And maybe you'll be in front. We'll be all there because of Christ and Christ alone. I just thought it was really cool. Because, you know, you don't know how to... Uh, we've been at a few funerals, a few overdoses lately. Jesus plus nothing. And the cool thing about it, at these funerals, they're hearing Jesus. Turn your Bibles real quick to 15. Genesis 15.6. So I think it's cool because Paul's going back and he's going, Paul's so smart, you know. And we just finished a really good book, Barry and I did, on King David by Chuck Swindoll. And uh, I, I just really resonated with it. I encourage you to get in the life of David. He did a whole series. But then I went into the life of Paul. I've realized that I'm very average after reading that book. Because like Peter, I only got about two-thirds of it. Even Peter said, Paul's letters were hard, man. But you know what? But in reading this book, I realized how much we don't know, how much I don't know, and how much it's, it's, it's a vast frontier of what you don't know. Never lose a teachable spirit. But I say all this, so Paul had this brilliant intellect. He was able to engage these, these guys like this on a level that, that they probably were going, dude, this guy's good, man. Plus, he had the Holy Spirit in him, Amen. He was, a, he was an educated man. He was a super intellect. Plus, he was fueled by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because the Nazis were smart. Paul was fueled by the Holy Spirit. So when he refutes these Judaizers, he takes them back to the language. They're pointing to Moses. He says, I'll trump that. I'm going to go back before Moses was even here. I'm going to take it all the way back to the founder, Abraham. Right? So he's going, okay, I'll give you Moses. I'll give you that. But outside scholarship, even in Abraham, um, the Maccabees and some of the stuff as you read it, a lot of those ref 
going on down there? Man, you're really causing some kind of trouble today, man. I'll lay hands on you, girl. Just kidding. Don't you love misfits? We can do that. Oh, God, the whole service is all messed up. Oh, what are we going to do? The phone went off. The baby crying. Whatever. Okay. So here he is. He says, you know what? I'm a trump you. I'm going to go back to Abraham. He was even before Moses. Right? And in scholarship, would say Abraham, uh, the Jewish people would say, he was a great, tremendous warrior. He was this. He was that. Which he was all those things. But that's not what made him right with God. It didn't make him right with God that he was all those things. What made him right with God is he trusted God. That's it. And it ended up as given to him as a credit. Now you're righteous because you believed me. Isn't that great? Romans 15, this is the covenant promised to Abraham years before Moses, and they loved to point at Moses and following all the law. This is before the Ten Commandments even came. Hundreds of years, Abraham, in verse 6, 15 of verse 6, Watch this. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Isn't that great? How are we doing on time? We good? In the same way, Abraham believed God and it counted him as righteous. We just read that because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Turn to your Bibles, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Just mark that just for a second. We're going to sing a song. You want to sing a song? Father Abraham had many sons, many sons. Father Abraham, I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all shout to the Lord. Amen. I didn't go to church when I was a kid, so I, I had just picked up, I kind of came in late to the scene on a lot of these things. You are a child of Abraham by your faith in Christ, right? It's cool. So look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Chapter 12 and verse 3, I believe. Now he's laying these promises out to Abraham before circumcision. He said, I'm going to do all this stuff. He tells them, just, just leave your country, leave your elders, blah, blah, blah. I will make you into a great nation, right? I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. You know who the blessing was through him? Christ. All, including the Gentiles. How about that? Any Jewish descendants in here? Anybody? We're all Gentiles. You can thank Paul. You can thank the Holy Spirit that used Paul to get the gospel to pe for people like us, right? What's more, scriptures look forward to the time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. He's taken them back in time and said, look at the scriptures that you guys read. You guys know this is what he was talking about. This man, Jesus, is who they were talking about. He was talking about this, Christ. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commandments that are written in God's book of law. Book of the law. 
But guess what? Guess who's cursed? Everybody. Everybody. Until you say yes to Jesus, then they're curses off you because you can't keep the commandments. You can't do it. And Jesus actually went even further with the commandments. He said, if you so much as look as a woman with your heart, you've committed adultery and all the other things. You hate somebody, you murdered them. Murderers, thieves. You broke them. Funny thing is, think of this. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, sitting on my porch, having a cup of hot tea, and I was kind of curious as why Limba making hot tea on a 97-degree day, but it's a whole nother, whole nother matter. You want a cup of tea? And I said, well, I could really use a little caffeine. So I'm sitting, pondering the message, and thinking of all the Christ has done, all he saved me from, all the good times and bad times, and he saw them all. And I'm sitting in my camper going, Jesus, you never sinned, not one time. Even in your anger, you didn't sin. He had righteous indignation when he flipped over the money changers and all this stuff. Probably about as close as I can think. And it wasn't sin. But I started thinking about my little camper that I restored. I can't tell you how many times I've lost my mind in that camper. Hitting my hand, my thumb with a nail, perhaps something, maybe a little colorful came out, perhaps. Uh, when something doesn't go your way, um, but Jesus never sinned any, no, not in your mind, not, not in action, not one thought out of the way, not one. Think, wrap your head around that. It's hard to do, right? You can't do it because everybody in there has probably sinned enough to keep you out of heaven since the time you walked in that door, and that's the truth. In your mind, like, I wish this guy would just shut up. That's a sin. Okay, don't do that. Okay? But think about that. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. But the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not obey all the commands. Not some, not the biggies. Now watch this. So it's clear. No one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. So in my conversation with my, my buddy, the tow truck driver, I hope we see him. Really cool guy. A good man. You ever meet a good man or a good woman that doesn't know the Lord? They're not that good. They're good compared to other men or women. But if he was a character guy, and I asked him a little church experience, and he said this, and I thought this was really cool. I mentioned this in group the other day. He said, man, I was uh, in my barracks. After a um, uh, uh, raid or whatever they do when you're a soldier. Uh, doing what we need to do. Taking care of business. Looking for bad guys. That's what soldiers do to keep us safe. He said, I was in the, uh, my barracks with a bottle of Jack. And a Christian came by and wanted to know if I wanted to go to church. And he said, well, I'm in no condition to drive, but I'd love to go to church. He goes to church, and he goes, it was actually really cool. I, I enjoyed it. And he was sharing with me because, hit pause on that. Do you remember the pocket fisherman back in the 70s? You remember you could just carry your, your uh, glove box just in case you ever wanted to fish? You know, a real fisherman, he's always like, hey, we're, we're taking the canoe. I just thought I'd throw it in one more time while I'm bringing it in. 
See what I'm saying? That's what a fisherman does. So us as fishers of men, we should be looking. Pull out that sucker. Man, I'm in the tow truck. I got a captive audience. You know? So I'm just listening to him. And he started sharing with me. And I asked him if he'd had some PTSD and stuff like that. He said, no, I haven't. Um, because when I was eight, my stepfather blew his head off in front of me. It hardened me. It made me a good soldier. But he said this particular day he wanted to go to church. And he said, great. He goes to church. And it was going pretty well until the two men that invited him to church got up and started banging their heads on the back of the church, speaking in an unknown language. tongues. Now, clearly, that's out of order of what the scriptures say. That if there's going to be tongues, you have to have an interpreter. You can't all have this nonsense going on. The scriptures lay that out too, right? So you have to know what's going on here. It's Jesus plus Okay, so they're not saved her. They're saved her because they talk in tongues. What it did with this guy, he never went back to church again until he stepped foot out of his tow truck and came in here and was received by a lot of you in here. High five, amen, great. And he was like, wow, this is really a cool place, man. Who knows, maybe we'll see him again, right? I, I think that speaks to he was a good person. The things that he did, he told me I'd take care of this. I believe in following the golden rules and all the stuff. And it was a wrong time for me to say, well, let's just talk about that. <laughs> wrong timing. I said, I, I can tell, but I think this would be a comfortable place for you to discover the gospel that you heard is not the gospel. Whatever they were doing is not us, and God wasn't in that. Right? He wasn't in that I'm not saying he wasn't in a place, but those actions, he was not in. It's out of Browns. It's not in here. So he wasn't there. But you know, we believe he's here. We believe he's working in our midst. So we encourage you to come and just kind of explore who Jesus is and just relax. Just calm down where the Spirit of the Lord is. Again, there is what? Liberty. So relax. We'll just calm down. Help so uptight. You know what I'm saying? Good Lord. There's stuff up here. I'm not sure what all the stuff's coming from. So it's, it is through obeying. This way of faith is very different from the law, which says it's through obeying the law that a person has life. When you meet those people, that would say you have to be baptized. You have to, um, anybody know any Seventh-day Adventists? Legalists? You ever meet them? There's something about their walk, something about them. And I, I have friends or people that I know that are seven-day advances and love them. Man, to be bound up with all that stuff, it's just what Paul's encouraging. Don't do it. it. It's already tough enough to be a Christian anyway. Why would you want to make it more difficult than it has to be when he paid for it in his blood for you to be free? Why would you go on to put all the chains on again? It makes no sense. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for Randy's wrongdoing and your wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, thank you Jesus, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. 
so that those who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through what? Faith. I'm going to stop there, guys. And then uh, Barry's going to pick it up next week at 15. But um, I think there are those that, 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 that would say, boy, you guys really have a lot of fun at Misfits. But anybody that's been around long enough, you know that our doctrine is straight as a gun barrel, right? You know that. I've been around churches that doctrine is straight as a gun barrel too, but just as hollow. It's just kind of like, ping, it just doesn't ring, it just doesn't sound like Jesus. Where Jesus is, we're free. We're free. And Paul says later in one of his, don't, they, they sent people down to spy on the freedoms that we have, right? They sent spies in to check it out. Like they're spying on the freedom. They're having a lot of fun over there. People are getting saved in here because they're hearing the gospel that it's Jesus plus nothing. And that compels you when you really get it I want to uphold the law. Anybody uh, following more, I don't want to say rules, living uh, purer in Christ than you ever have? And you're not following a bunch of, you don't, check it. You just keep your eyes on Jesus, right? You just keep your eyes on Jesus and somehow the spirit in you wants to obey the rules. It's bizarre. Speeding, we're still working on a little bit. I mean, one thing at a time. You know what I mean though? Doesn't it feel good? How many of you are reading the Bible every day? Come on. Jamie? Sample, you know you are. Thank you. Right. <laughs> but you do it not to cha-chink. You don't do it. You do it because you want to know God deeper. And you want to be experience more freedom. And you want to... Uh, cooperate with the sanctifying effort of the Spirit. Not because you're trying to please God by reading the Word. I'm really proud of you today, Devin. A little joke. Apparently you had devotion. Uh, James may have made you, may have not. I'm not sure how that works, but uh, that's great. We're free. I think it's funny, in a day and age that we have so much te technology, you can pick up your iPhones, you can pick up your, uh, you got commentaries on every shelf. This is the most, uh, the least people have read their Bible. Wow. The least people have read their Bible. William Tyndale died to get the Bible to us, people like us, in our language. People have been burned at the stake, and they sit on, they sit on shelves. And how about this? Well, I tell you what. Got this brand new iAndroid 74. It pops up a Bible promise every day just for me. Oh, yeah, that's all I need. You're starving to death. You wonder why you don't have fruit. You wonder why you don't have joy. You wonder why you don't have peace. You wonder why when it comes time and you're squeezed, you don't have the right words to say because your mind hasn't been transformed by the renewing of it. You're like, I just don't know. Maybe I'll just go ask the preacher what he says. Read it for yourself. Right? It, just read it for yourself. I mean, I, I, we'll help. Will we not? We'll help. Your leadership, people that have been around for a while, we will help you. But this is on you, man. It, and we say it all the time. If you're expecting to come in, I just tell you what. 
such a powerful message spoken by Barry and Randy. And the come on man was wonderful. I just can't wait till next Saturday when I get into something scriptural again. And then I see you throughout the week. You're yelling at your wife or your girlfriend or kids are going crazy and you wonder why. Could it be that you're spiritually malnutrition? You look like... Okay, how about this? And then we'll go on. Supposing. How many would you consider your frontline Jesus people? You're on the front lines. Amen? Or you're being prepared to be on the front lines. How about that? Accurate? Okay, 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 okay. So, so everybody in here at some point, you know, you're not just comfortable being church pew Christians. And some of you are in seasons in your life that you're like, I'm mentoring. I've been down there and I did that. Old men for counsel, young men for war. Feel me? Okay, 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 okay. Now listen. If you're a marathon runner, I don't have to have a whole lot of calories to run for, well, I don't really run. Barry drives me around. <laughs> if I were going to be a marathon runner, I would probably amp my diet up. I would probably be doing things a little bit different because I want to be a runner that can compete. I want to be there at the finish line. I want to hit my stride in the last leg, right? Then I wouldn't consider a diet of Doritos, although Doritos, I think, are Jesus' favorite. My point would be a lot of us are settling for Doritos, and you're wanting to be a frontline worker, and you don't have any equity in your bank that God can put you into play because there's nothing in there. There's nothing there. And when you're squeezed, you probably sound like me when I was inside my camper. I'm working on it. Just relax. You guys feel me on that? I'm compelling you, man. I'm asking and I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you. Read your Bibles. Read them and everybody says amen. That's the funny thing is. The whole, oh, amen, brother. Amen. Amen to that one. You got them on that one. Are you the one reading it? Exactly. That's the problem. Week in, week out. We've been doing this for 15 years. And, and, and the Christians that read their Bibles are successful. The Christians that read your Bibles, when you get off track, you got stuff, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out, I quit, I repent, I'm coming back. It's the Christians that don't read their Bibles, you end up way out left field. We've lost a lot of them. Maybe they weren't Christians to begin with. I don't know. Oh, it works. I don't know how I got into this tangent, but I'm passionate about reading the Word of God. And, and don't worry, you're not going to be, well, I tell you what, I've been reading it for five years. I'm pretty much a master. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, all right? And, and just, it's okay. It's a big book with lots of stuff. We study this for the rest of our life. I know people that, oh, yeah, I read that sucker back in the 70s. Well, good for you, you know? I just read it this morning, about a chapter. I do it every day. This is our food. You wouldn't dream of going and missing a dinner. Hey, man, preacher, that's a good one. <laughs> right? Read it. Come on, man. That's a come on, man, isn't it? Okay. Get involved in a Bible study. How about that? Oh, where's Sexy Rexy? Can I say that? I just said it. I saw Rex oh, real quick. Rex is going to have a Bible study in his garage. 
Now I'm holding his feet to the fire because he mentioned it to me twice. Now I'm calling you out. It will happen now. Praise God. Amen. And guess what? He had some people listen to his radio show the other day. Can I just say that and we'll close because I'm off on a rabbit. But it was so good, Rex, okay? Um, have you ever heard of a conversation between Rex and Danny? It's, it's amazing is what it is. It's like I, I can't even explain it. But it's great and it's true and it's wonderful because they're enjoying each other, okay? So, so we were interviewing and I was like, well, he goes, well, how do you think it's going to go? And I said, honestly, I really don't know. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. But you said something very significant. He said, and I asked him, I said, well, how did you feel when you got home? He said, my big house didn't seem so big. You know, he's a widower. And you'll see you again, amen. Two or three seconds behind. He said, my big house didn't seem so big. And I don't feel like I'm alone. I believe she was watching down and she's proud of me. And I felt Jesus with me. How about that? Is that profound? Now he's like, I want to know Jesus deeper. I don't want to uh, get saved or you're either saved or you're not. But I want to know the one who saved me now on a deeper level. To me, that was like, wow, dude, that's so good. So obviously you, you can't have a, a third grader teaching a class. Now, if you're a third grader, I'm just saying you're kind of a newer Christian. So we're looking for somebody. I've asked a couple people, floated it out there saying, you want to go over there and lead that study at Rexy's house? You, now, you? You? That's all I got. I want somebody to take that sucker and run with it. The point would be, Rex has people going to enter his garage that may or may not know Jesus. Jesus plus nothing. I don't know how I ended up there, but that's okay. As long as you guys get Jesus plus nothing. I'm going to pray, and then uh, you're dismissed. Father God, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you that the gospel says Jesus plus nothing. You gave your son for us, Lord, that if we would just believe and have faith in what you did on the cross, we could be saved and declared righteous because of our faith. Thank you for that gift, Lord. I pray if somebody here is striving to be good enough, is striving to do enough, that they would just relax, that you would speak to their heart, Lord, and say, just relax. I've done all of the work for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Tomorrow, of course, breakfast, 9 o'clock, right out here. Did I forget anything, announcements or anything? The one with Rexy? He really enjoyed it. Best podcast ever. By the way, thank you for your encouragement. Very nice. Thank you. Yes, sir. Lay it on us.